Today is week three of our series, Foundations, Building Our Life on Solid Ground. If you haven't been able to join us this last few weeks, uh, this is just a reminder of where we've come from. We've been talking about our mission, vision, and values as individuals, as a church, and as a denomination. And so far, we've covered our values. As you can see behind me, uh, we have our values and our mission uh, on the wall here. And we've talked about eight different behaviors. Let me get the fingers right. Eight different behaviors of uh, what we should be living our lives out. And we talked about worship, love, prayer, humility, generosity, diversity, community, and creativity. And now today is about the church's mission, why we exist. In 1985, in Dallas, Texas, a store called Blockbuster opened. It was a video rental store. If you older people know what that is, the youngers probably are like, what is a video rental store? Where you could choose from over 8,000, not DVDs, 8,000 videotapes on display to rent. Over the years, this franchise expanded to over 9,000 locations around the world with a revenue of over $5.9 billion. As of this year, there's only one blockbuster store that remains in Bend, Oregon. Blockbuster's mission statement was to be the global leader in rentable home entertainment by providing outstanding service, selection, convenience, and value. Now, this is a great mission statement, and this company was into renting movies. But over time, this company was too attached to their methods, and their mission began to fade. They stuck to brick and mortar when the world was going digital and on demand. Now, at the same time, another company was rising, Netflix. Some of you might remember, you used to actually get mailed to you DVDs from Netflix that you'd send back, and then you'd get more mailed to you. But before you know it, Netflix went to completely online and streaming options. You might not know this, but Blockbuster had the opportunity to purchase Netflix. They flew out their founders to their to Blockbuster's corporate office, and the founders of Netflix made an offer of $30 million, which was laughed off by Blockbuster. Now, as of April of this year, Netflix is worth approximately $187 billion. Both had similar missions. The foundations of the video rental business was about the same. But how they went about fulfilling that was two starkly different models. The same thing can happen with a church. We can focus more on methods than on the mission that we're called to do. And in such changing times and fluidity, sometimes the methods need to change, but the mission remains the same. Here at Neighborhood Church, this is how we articulate our mission statement. To see people transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission. This statement sums up our model of discipleship. Disciples are followers, students, apprentices. And this is our model of what it means to be a follower, a student, an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus. It allows us to focus our efforts and energies on what is most important. This is also not a linear model. It is actually a cyclical model. There's no really end or beginning to it. 
And here's a picture for you about that. You see, there's no beginning. There's no end to that cycle. And when somebody says yes to Jesus for the first time, God transforms them. God empowers them with his spirit and he launches them on mission. And when you're launched on mission, what happens? You share and show Jesus to other people and they say yes to Jesus, are transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit and launched on, on mission. And this should really never finish until Jesus Christ comes back or until everybody knows Christ for themselves. Even though this is how we phrase our personal mission statement as the church, we really don't get to pick our mission statement. Jesus already told it to us in two key passages. One is Matthew 18, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In this verse, we see a key idea. Make disciples. Make disciples. All the other things around that statement lead towards that statement that Jesus has called us to make disciples. Like I mentioned before, a disciple is a learner, a student, an apprentice, and we ourselves need to be that with Jesus and being inviting others in to that same process. Now the same is stated in a different way in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jeru Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the, the earth. A key word in this verse is witness. That we are called to be witnesses of Jesus. And what is a witness? A witness is somebody who has seen something, experienced something, participated in something, and because of that, they're able to tell others about it. We ourselves need to be witnesses of Jesus because we have witnessed something in our own lives. We have witnessed things in other people's lives. We have witnessed things in the world of how Jesus is at work. And we're called to be those witnesses both at home and to the ends of the earth. So when I say our mission as a church is to see people transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission, what I'm really saying is we want to see God working in your life and in others' lives. Amen? Isn't that what you long for, for the work of God in your life and the work of God through you to other people's lives? And this begins by us saying a first yes to Jesus. Now I want you to pause for a moment and think about something that frustrates you. Maybe you can think of many things right away. Those things that get under your skin, that push your buttons, that bother you. What are the things that you see in the world that are wrong, that you really want to see made right? For each of us, we have areas in our life and in this world that are frustrating and hard. Maybe they, these are personal limitations, health issues, family oblig obligations, the unique nature of school, your job, the state of our country, the world. There's a host of other things that can frustrate you. Something that continues to frustrate me and bother me it's something I can't completely control. I can't make it happen for any of you. 
I can't make it happen for this church. I wish it was different. I wish I had more control of it, but I really don't. And if you're wondering right now if it's you, it's not you. It's not the people. I love all of you, and I'm privileged to be the pastor at the church here. I love how God is at work in many ways. I'm not frustrated with the building, the programs, the location, the amount of resources we have. Even COVID is not my top frustration. My top frustration, what is bothering me, is that we are not consistently seeing people come to know Christ, to say their first yes to him. The longing in my heart is for people to come to know God and give their lives wholly and fully to him to experience their best. I've seen for myself that a living, breathing, healthy relationship with God transforms my life, transforms others' lives, and I want that for people around me. The longing in me and the frustration is me that we aren't seeing more people come to know Christ. Now I want you to take a look at all these light boxes here. We have 10 light boxes sitting here. Three of them have been lit and praise God for those three lives that God has transformed through the ministry of the church here. We have celebrated all those. We continue to celebrate it. Some of you are watching on the live stream right now that your box is right there. So thank you and we praise God for that. But now just look behind there. And you see another seven boxes. There's a total of 10 and we actually would love to see 12 People say yes to Jesus for their first time this year. But what would that look like? What would that look like in your life personally to make those opportunities, to take those opportunities, to, to pray, pursue, and persuade people of their great need for Christ? And how would our church look if at the end of the year, all of those 10, if not more, were lit? I believe it would be transformative for all of us. So when I talk about our mission, it's about people experiencing God's best for them, God's transformation for them. It's been a little bit over five years since I came to Neighborhood Church. For some of you, you might feel like this has been forever, and Mark, why don't you just move on? Or maybe some are like, well, just settling in. And hopefully you stick around a bit more. But wherever you're at with that, just recognize that the first year when I came in here, I just built relationships with people. But at the same time, I was also looking and saying, what is the mission that God has for us in this local context to focus on, to put our energies behind, to dig into? Because I knew that it, we needed a solid mission, solid ground that we can come back to again and again, no matter what's happening in the world around us. No matter if there's a pandemic or an election or racial tensions, what is that we can come back to and stand on solid ground and say, this is where we're going to continue to focus. So when I talk about our mission, it's not simply about words, it's about people and bringing God's transformation to them. So let me break it down a little bit more about what these three parts of our mission look like. 
The first part is transformed by Jesus. Transformation begins by saying yes to Jesus. There are many terms in scripture used for this transformation that God brings to our lives when we receive him into our lives. We hear terms like death to life, darkness to light, orphans to adoption, slaves of sin to slave of God, a new creation, forgiven and free. And all of these relate back to when we say yes to Jesus, he transforms us on the inside, which flows to the outside. I believe that the most powerful miracle anybody can experience is God transforming you, bringing you from death to life. From darkness to light, that is the most powerful thing that can ever happen in your life. I don't know if you've ever met somebody and looked into their eyes, and even though they're physically alive, you can see that sort of death in their eyes. And on the flip side, have you ever met somebody and seen that life in their eyes shining through them? I remember one night when I was leading a youth ministry that a kid came in, and this kid was pretty troubled. And he, he always had things going on. And that night, I was having a conversation with him. And I was able to share the hope that's found in Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And I asked him, do you want this for yourself? And he said yes to Jesus, wholly and fully, for the first time that night. And I watched that death change to life. And he walked out of that room into a next room and was interacting with all his friends and students throughout the night. And so much had changed that at the end of that night, one of his friends came up to me and said, Mark, what happened to this guy? He's a completely different person than when he walked in the door or even who I knew before. Something's changed in him and it's so much better. And I want that for me. I want what he has. When God transforms your life, everything changes on the inside. We technically call this our position in Christ, that that is who we are in Christ, that God has moved us from one place to another place. He's moved us from death to life, darkness to life, orphan to adopted, slave of sin to slave of God, a new creation, forgiven and free. And it all starts with saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Then once we're transformed by Jesus, the next part of the cycle is being empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered to look and live like Jesus. I feel like I talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, but maybe I don't. But the Holy Spirit is somebody that we need to be familiar with, we need to be comfortable with or uncomfortable with, and allow into all the areas of our life. And when I talk about looking and living like Jesus in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying let's move to Israel, wear some sandals and robes, grow a beard. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our behavior, our character, of how we interact with others should look like Jesus. And we find this in Galatians 5 that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control are all fruits of the Holy Spirit. That when we give God control, he changes the way we behave, changes the way we interact with other people. And in a world that is okay with fighting, 
belittling, canceling, destroying people, a person empowered by the Holy Spirit living out the character of Jesus will shine brightly and so much differently. The Holy Spirit develops godly character in us. And this is a lifelong journey. Like I mentioned before, saying yes to Jesus changes our position with Christ, which is permanent, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit empowers us to progress forward in this. Even though positionally we're one place, progressively we need to become more and more like Jesus. And that takes time, that takes energy, and that takes allowing the Holy Spirit to control our lives. But this is not just about being empowered for better behavior and having a good attitude. No, this is about being empowered to be launched on mission, on God's mission around the world and across our neighborhood. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. This idea points that our whole life is communicating the truth of who God is. And when necessary, we need to open our mouths and share about the hope that we have in Christ. But it starts with our lives and what we're living it out. Following Jesus is not simply knowing things. It's about living it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 2, 3-5. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for Jews, then for Gentiles. The gospel is the power of God in and through your life. And so when we talked about being launched on mission, it is not in our own power. It's in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that leads to the final part of our mission statement, launched on mission to see others say yes to Jesus. Let me say it again. When we identify what Jesus has done for us, when we live in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we will naturally be launched on mission. It's just natural that we'll be launched on mission. Not on our mission, but on God's mission through us. I wonder if the reason that we do not live in the fullness of Jesus and his power is because we do not fully understand what Christ has done for us, our identity in Christ, and the power he has granted to us to work in and through our lives. Let me say this. The enemy of our souls... The one who wants to destroy your lives, his name is Satan. And the enemy of our souls wants to keep each one of us in ignorance and impotence so that our lives will not make a difference. Let me say that again. The enemy of our souls wants to keep us in impotence and ignorance so that our lives will not make a difference. Jesus wants your life to be used to make a difference in the world around us. So when we practically understand our identity in Jesus, when we have said yes to Jesus and he has transformed us, and we understand and practically live in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we will be launched on a supernatural mission to go and make disciples of all nations.
As many of you know, we're part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And the Alliance is passionate about missions, both from our neighborhoods to the nations. We have over 700 international workers around the globe going to some of the most difficult places to show and share Jesus. And I want to share with you a story from Cambodia that's just happened in the last three years about one individual who when they said yes to Jesus through God's supernatural intervention, that changed everything. And how they were empowered by God's spirit and launched on mission to see others come to know Christ. Check out this story. I was a violent man. A drunk and evil man. I had no love for anybody. One day, I was working in an empty charcoal oven when the wall caved in on me and my little boy. I heard my wife cry out, Jesus, help my husband. I felt two hands grip my shoulders, and I realized I was already outside the cave. I choked and coughed out blood, then my right eye popped out of its socket. Immediately, my wife and a neighbor took me to the nearest hospital. Every doctor in every clinic said that they could not treat this kind of injury. I told my wife, you must take me to your church. I have no other hope. When we arrived, I asked the pastor to pray for me. As he prayed, I felt something from inside was pulling my eyeball to its place. And when everyone opened their eyes to look at me, I shouted, I am healed. I was overwhelmed with joy and in awe that God had healed me. After I got out of the hospital, my heart was restless. I could not stay still. I just wanted to go and tell everyone about Jesus. I often walked to distant places. I kept praying to God for clear direction. God, you have done so much in my life. From now on, whether I live or die, I am devoted to you. Where you send me, I will go. First, I shared in my own village. The people all knew what kind of character I was. After I came back, everyone was amazed by my healing, and they said that I was a different man. Some who saw the changes in me began to put their trust in Jesus. The workload was overwhelming to me. I cried out to God, I can't do this alone. Please send someone to help. When we came, it's just like so desperate need. We have not heard any church existing here. It's just like spiritual hunger. We met Kang on a boat ride. He's a natural networking person. Wherever his relatives live, that's a church exists. All he knew that go and share the gospel. Sometimes he called us like, I'm here, I'm there away from home, talk to this person, that person. They received the Lord already. It's amazing. We told him that there's so many that we, we, we cannot catch up with him. God answered my prayer and sent you. I was so happy. My faith began to grow deeper. You are helping us understand God's ways. We cover three villages a week and do all day discipleship classes in that each village, including two floating villages. 
In the last two years, we've seen God's plan the 12 Alliance Church Group, and about 130 people came to Christ. This is our goal to see by year 2021 that in every village, every tribe, every tongue in Cambodia, they have a church, a place of worship for the people group. We plant churches because Jesus told us to go and make disciples. But it's in Jesus' heart, He cares for the lost soul, and that's why we here follow Him. I am grateful to God for saving me, and I have committed my whole being to serving Him for the rest of my life. Nothing makes me happier than to see lost people find their way back into God's kingdom. Our God is a real God, not just a storyteller. Not yeah. just once upon a time story. Yeah, once upon a time story. <laughs> this is real, this is true, that His work in the life of His people. And He still does miracles every day. The work isn't done. And what a powerful story of one man, Kong, who was transformed by Jesus and he knew to share the gospel with others. And through that, over 130 people have come to know Christ. Over 12 churches have been planted in three years. God is on the move in Cambodia, but I believe God is also on the move here and wants to use you right here from your neighborhood to the nations. Friends, our hope is that we can make the mission of Jesus so clear to you that you have no intellectual barriers to understanding it. But usually it isn't about understanding. It's usually about making that space and time to live out the reality of the mission of Jesus. If you've, if you've already said yes to Jesus, it's because somebody thought it was important enough to share with you the hope that they had found in Christ. And why not pay that forward to someone else? Why not pay that forward to somebody else, even over the next week or month? If you've never said yes to Jesus, it's simply opening your life up to him, putting your trust in him, recognizing your need for a savior and that without him, you are hopelessly lost. God tells us that as many as receive him to those who gave the right to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to be called children of God. Invite him into your life this morning, and I can guarantee he will transform you from the inside out. What would it look like at the end of this year to see all 12 of those lights lit, symbolizing lives and families and neighborhoods transformed? The mission is still the same. The methods might change, but the goal is to see each and every one of us transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for giving us a very clear and simple mission in Scripture. I thank you for how you are doing an incredible work in Cambodia, and somewhat I'm jealous, because I would love to see you doing that supernatural work here in the midst of neighborhood church and in the surrounding neighborhoods. But Father, we ask that you'd revive us as followers of you. And if we do not yet know Christ, may we invite you in to our lives. God, may we live out this mission in a powerful way to see people transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission. In Jesus' name, amen.